In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and it's really hard to believe that we're already in the second month of 2019. I don't know where January went, but I do know one thing about 2019, and 2019 is going to be the year of digital advancements in digital marketing. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the seven steps of effective digital marketing. So listen up. It doesn't matter if you're a digital marketing company, an agency, a customer, or a client. You will have something to learn today from today's guest. But first, before we start, I'd like to welcome our new listeners. And we do have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you might be listening from. And welcome back to our returning listeners. But if you are new, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from artificial intelligence to data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download our series. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And in this series, you can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your future success. Now, I invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net, and also with the CINDA, which is a Search and Information Association of Europe's website, which is www.cinda.com. Now, tell me what you want to hear about. I'd love to get a mail from you. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful either for your business or yourself. Now, on to today's episode. Traditional marketers and many business owners think that the word digital in digital marketing is simplistically taken to mean our website, our Facebook page, maybe my Instagram account or a single media. And this thinking limits the scope and opportunity that digital marketing brings. The use of the internet and other digital media, as well as new technologies, supports modern marketing. And it has given a rise to a number of labels, we've all heard them, labels and jargon, created by academics, professionals, even marketeers themselves. But this has also limited our thinking. It pushes us to think that digital marketing is only about media, devices, data, and technology. And it doesn't push us to think about what our goal is with digital marketing and what we are trying to reach and the engagement we want. And this is what digital marketing is really about. We hear terms like digital marketing, internet marketing, e-marketing, web marketing, and other alternative terms. And we use them every day. We interchange them every day. But we sometimes we lose focus at the end goal, what digital marketing is about and how today's tools help us accomplish the those goals efficiently. And that's what we're going to talk about today with an expert. Our expert is Kazim Aslam, and Kazim is the founder and CEO of Solutions 8, a digital marketer certificated partner, um, also a Google official partner, and the author of The Seven Critical Principles of Effective Digital Marketing. Through Solutions, Chasm has spent more than a decade helping over 500 organizations grow and scale using a new, unique proven priority process, the Digital Business Builder. This experience fuels his presentations and has helped to make 
a foremost, it made him a foremost authority on business growth and scale in the digital age. He has worked with the largest privately owned bank in the U.S., a 54,000 member PPO, a Gates Foundation funded nonprofit, and an Academy Award contending documentary. He has also helped build and launch and market the National Association of Child Helplines and has worked on a contract basis with the United States Army, Intel, and Pearson Education. Kazim has been published across a Madrid of ne- uh, lots of networks, okay, in lots of publications, including CRM Magazine, Search Engine Journal, Social Media Today, and many, many more. So, Kazim, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Kimberly. Okay, so let's just let's just start about this book, okay? What what made you? You know, obviously, we've heard from your introduction. You have this great background in digital media, but what made you write this book? I was rereading The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and Stephen Covey has this um, this line in the sand he draws between character ethic and personality ethic, and mm-hmm. it, it struck me directly. It's one of my favorite books of all time, but I had yet to apply it to what I do professionally, and it struck me that we really don't have that same delineation in my industry. Um, everybody writes about the personality ethic, but nobody had written yet about the character ethic, at least not well. And so you can tell from my title that I borrowed liberally from Covey, um, but that's, that's where that came from, is, is basically I just ripped off my hero. <laughs> but but then you then you took that and you put it into your expertise. Now when you and, and I think that's brilliant. That's that's a really great idea. Now when you talk about you know in your book and I've read your book and I, I t- uh, tell our listeners please get this book. It's fantastic. You talk about digital marketing. Let's just talk about that for a minute, okay? And you talk about that digital marketing is is a discipline in itself, not just a combination of smaller disciplines. What do you mean by that? I think people tend to encapsulate the idea of digital marketing based off of how and where it impacts them. And here's what I mean by that. Um, if you're a restaurant, you probably think Yelp is digital marketing, or, or for you, that's that's most of it. Um, the reason this is a flawed model is it it limits your ability to see how everything is interconnected and, and where else you might be able to make an impact Um and, and sort of manage your online reputation. And so I think just asking people to take a step back um, and look at it as sort of an overarching discipline gives you the opportunity to go find yourself a strategist. Because if you're looking to, um, to find help specifically with digital marketing, uh, far too often you self-diagnose. And, mm-hmm. um, and you step in and say, oh, I need somebody to help me with Google Ads. Well, maybe you don't. Maybe you need a CRO expert to, to help fix your website. Maybe your Google Ads are fine, but when people get to your website, it, you know, it's, it's bouncing for, for various reasons. So digital marketers need to be looked at as generalists. Um, and, and, of course, within the confines of that, they can have their own specialties. But, you know, I mean, just like the medical profession, you don't want to – you don't want to tell a doctor exactly what it is that's wrong with you. You kind of want to approach a doctor and say, hey, these are the symptoms. Help me figure out what the solution is. And I think digital marketing is, you know, needs to approach that same paradigm. And do you think, do you think because of this encapsulating or, or thinking in these compartments when we and, – and a lot of uh, – big companies as well as SMBs do that, okay? Um, and do you think that's because they're thinking that digital marketing is about selling their products and services in, in, a, in a very narrow type way rather than using this to gain a result? Absolutely. I think you nailed it. And honestly, I think big companies are worse than little companies. Digital marketing has kind of you know, leveled the playing field in some ways because it, it lets uh, smaller, more nimble, more agile voices um, just have a, a greater reach. And people that reach for the transaction, if you try to become an ATM, you're not going to be successful online. That's not the way that online marketing works. Mm. And and I mean a lot of people think of that because you know they're thinking about this and thinking about selling the product. They think about as advertising. And and you talk a lot about that digital marketing is not advertising. Okay, can you can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think I think digital marketing is relationship building. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really bullish on this point. I get a lot of eye rolls sometimes when I speak on that topic. People <laughs> sort of you know they, they think that you're 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 you're, you're paying sort of lip service to the touchy-feely concept just so you can get to whatever it is that you really want to talk about. But that's really what I want to talk about. I think that you're building a relationship with people online. um, And what's cool about it is you're doing it on their terms. And so if you take every single person that you could potentially do business with, um, think about 
how many different personality types there are, different archetypes, different ways that they engage, different times that they're available. Um, you know, some people like to read, some people like to watch, some people prefer Twitter, some people prefer Facebook, etc. If if you're good at building this relationship online, you're allowing people to build a relationship with you, which is cool, but you're also letting them do it on their terms, in their network, at their leisure, which is the first time in human history this has ever been possible. People can, look at this podcast, people can hear your voice, get to know you, understand your personality, and you're not even present for it. And mm-hmm. it becomes, in a lot of ways, and this is why I say it's the first time, even though we've had television and radio for you know over a century, this is the first time that you can have a two-way exchange in this context, because somebody who listens to your podcast now can loop around and has almost immediate access to you again through the channel of their choice. If they want to, you know, tweet at you or email you or uh, approach you through, you know, the, the myriad of mechanisms that are available to us, you're allowing them to build a relationship through all of the conduits that you choose to support. And that's just such a big deal. We, we still don't really understand how big a deal that truly is. The fact that somebody can build a relationship with, with you without you being present and then the ability to use that as uh, you know a business or a brand to um, to properly nurture these prospects and earn their business. I think it's it's amazing that we have yet to capitalize on it to its fullest extreme. And I'm so sorry that I hopped on a soapbox. Forgive me. No, no, no. I think that's great. And 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 it it, it when when we start talking about this and we talk about building relationships, I I was thinking you know this this is great and 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 you know some of us who have digital backgrounds can say we can do it. But you're a big advocate of the SMBs as being the backbone of the economies, and I've read that in your book. So isn't this a little bit complicated or how do you explain this to SMBs? Because if I'm a bakery, okay, and I just want to sell muffins, all right? So I'm thinking, okay, you know, first I'm making compartments for the kind of media I have and I'm not necessarily thinking about relationships. How how do you convey, you know, that to a SMB to that they need to have a digital strategy? It's not just, you know, selling chocolate muffins. Sure. I think it's it's a phenomenal question. I, I do believe that SMBs are, are the backbone of the global economy, actually. Um, what's interesting about SMBs is they're better positioned to have a finger to the pulse. Because if you're a bakery and you're selling muffins, uh, you know what the the school district is like in your community. You know what the temperature is like outside. You know um, what where traffic is bad and where it's not, and so on and so on and so forth. So you're going to have a, a better, more contextually... Uh, appropriate conversation with your prospects than any national chain could ever begin or hope to have because you 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 live around them you're in their community you're a part of who they are and um, the value you can bring to thought leadership which is really what we're discussing here um, I think is greatly amplified by that connection now a big brand is going to look at that and say hey it doesn't make any sense for me to go to St. Louis Missouri and figure out why they like, you know, blue sprinkles instead of red sprinkles. Um, <laughs> but because you're in St. Louis and you, and you know go blue or, or whatever it ends up being, um, you're able to have a, a, a greater connection with that community. Now, what you choose to do as an SMB I think is really important. I, I don't think all SMBs for, should blog, for instance. Mm-hmm. I, I actually don't believe that every tool is, is applicable to every person. This is where digital marketers go wildly off the rails because if you talk mm-hmm. to a marketer, they're going to tell you you need to do everything. You have to be on mm-hmm. every social channel and you have to do SEO and PPC and you have to um, you know, just, just mm. rail yourself down to the nub working on all of these channels that are available. That's not true. Pick the one or two or three that are most applicable to you and your market and invest in those. And so if I'm the bakery, I'm going to choose one social channel and I'm going to build a community around my bakery. And that mm-hmm. community is going to be connected to the things that I just said. You know, like, I mean, if I get the, the local school mascot on my cupcakes, uh, that, that's the type of thing that could locally go viral instantly without even trying. So mm-hmm. did that answer your question? I'm not trying to be a fence sitter. Well, uh, no, no, it, I, that really did. Oh, Kimberly, I mean, sorry, I just called yeah, you. Sorry, that's all right. No, it answered my question. And um, I, I think, you know, I think the point here is, is I like what you said, because for an SMB, this can be completely overwhelming, okay? And so, you, you know, you do have digital marketers going out and talking to SMBs and, you know, um, you know, do, do you work with them on getting which is the most effective piece of the pie to get engagement and to build relationships in their community and then just make sure that's all tied together. And that's what I'm hearing you say. Um, it's okay for that SMB to, to focus on one thing, but still to maybe expand that through the experience and, and um, you know, through their success and make sure it's tied together. I think that's what I hear you saying. 
<laughs> you just, yeah, you summarized that way better than I did. Thank you for that. <laughs> Good. But so wait, we're going to, we're going to, um, Kesson, we're going to take a take a small break, and when we get back, you know, we kind of just talked about, you know, the the digital situation, what it is, and what digital marketing is, and and you've come up with, you know, in your book, you have talked about the seven principles of digital marketing, and when we come back from the break, I'd really like to go into those. Okay, that's great. So we're going to take a short small break, and for our listeners. We're talking to Kasim Aslam, and he's a founder and CEO of Solutions 8, and he's a digital marketer certified partner and a certified official Google partner and the author of The Seven Critical Principles of Effective Digital Marketing. Through Solutions, Kasim has spent more than a decade helping over 500 organizations grow and scale using a unique proven methodology. And when I come back, we're going to talk about those seven principles. But for our listeners, you can reach Kasim at soul8, www.soul8.com and Kasim Aslam. And I'm going to spell that because we do have an international audience that is K-A-S-I-M-A-S-L-A-M. And you have your website under KasimAslam.com and also on LinkedIn under Kasim Aslam and on Facebook, and on Twitter. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, leadership and business expert. You can contact me with questions at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group at Leadership Beyond Borders or my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. And with that, we're going to take a short break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Border. And today we are speaking with Kasman Aslam. And he's the founder and CEO of Solutions 8. And he's also the author of The Seven Critical Principles of Effective Marketing. Now, Kasman, we, t- we talked a little bit about, we kind of g- got a general picture on digital marketing and, and where digital marketing is today and what actually di- digital marketing is. Now, I want to I go into your book because what I, what I think you know, it re- I found really interesting is you have seven steps for effective digital marketing, but you've divided these into two parts, okay? So do you want to first, you know, just talk about the two parts you've divided it into? Sure. Uh, it's the process principles and the paradigm principles. And the process principles are, are um, four principles that illustrate how we do something. And the paradigm principles, which I think are, are foundational and maybe more important, 
are the principles that uh, help us understand why we do those things. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's talk. Let's start with the the paradigm principles, okay? And and talk about the first step in a paradigm principle, okay? On why we do things. So, what would be? And we're in digital marketing, and 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 you have a process. So, what is the first step? So, the very first paradigm principle is uh, to empathize. Principle number one is to empathize, and I think it's a throwaway word, sadly. Um, and I wish that we could kind of bring it back because people tend to use it uh, where it's not appropriate and then leave it out where it is. We need to know the people that we are marketing to well enough that we could play them in a movie. We want to go Daniel Day-Lewis with this or Meryl Streep. You want to know what they eat, when they go to sleep, whether or not they exercise, what their dreams are for their children, where they would go on a vacation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You want to know them so well that you fall in love with them. And if you if you don't, you're going to have a really hard time marketing to them. Empathy, I think, is the most powerful word in the English language. And uh, the beauty of empathy is it places you in a position to really understand what it is that they're going to respond to, um, what will resonate with them. But what's nice is it's, it's, it's no longer manipulation if it comes from a place of empathy. It's now empathy. You're now aligned with their interests, their values, their principles, and it gives you the opportunity to sort of walk hand in hand with them towards a common goal. Um, and I think without empathy, all else is lost from a marketing perspective. Now you're just trying to get people to do what you want them to do instead of trying to help them to do what you know to be the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. So how, how difficult is that to accomplish? Okay, so I'm, I'm thinking you have a digital marketing agency, right? And um, I'm, I'm sure you have people working for you, going out, you know, to, uh, meeting with clients and, and getting new accounts and things. How what do you do to try to bring this over to the people that work for you in your in your um, agency to to make sure they understand that this empathy is is so important? It's such a great question. Um, the The very first thing, as I look for people that I believe have empathic natures, mm-hmm. um, and this is going to get really <laughs> maybe a little odd, but uh, I love people that have worked in food service. Because uh-huh. I noticed that people that uh, have been, you know, servers or, or worked on, let's call them menial jobs, tend to empathize, I think, better than people that haven't. Not to not to disparage anybody, but mm-hmm. it's just been my my anecdotal observation. So let's let's assume that we have people that are capable of empathy first. Um, what I I like to do from a tactical perspective is we always build a customer avatar. And an avatar is not a demographic. A target demographic says, I want to go after naturopathic physicians. That's a demographic. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is what we found, and I'm using this as an example because this is actually a, a target that we go after um, as marketers. There's two very distinct, in our experience, there's two very distinct types of naturopathic physicians. You have the older physician who's on his way out, wants to retire or sell his practice or bring in um, somebody to, to kind of manage it for him. He doesn't understand digital marketing. He's kind of afraid of it, but he has a ton of money. We call him Dr. Mike. And then there's Dr. Sally. Dr. Sally is a newly newly graduated naturopathic physician. She wants to change the world. She has no money, but she really gets the value of digital marketing, and she's willing to be flexible and nimble. Now, think about how different those two mm. avatars are, and then realize that they're both in the same target demographic. That's why target demographic is um, – it sends people off – chasing rabbits down rabbit holes that don't exist because you haven't gotten granular enough yet. You want to understand, and there could be 15 different types of avatars within the realm of naturopathic physicians. Those are just the two that we found. So you want to understand your avatar um, or avatars, and you want to understand, again, you want to understand them well enough to be able to, to really align with their values. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that comes back to what you just say with empathy. So that's coming back to understanding that person, understanding that person in their business and um, you talk about that because you talk about that too many people still think about demographics, as you just said, and still think about, you know, B to B and B to C. And, and in your book, you say these, these concepts are irrelevant now. Okay. And, um, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I actually stole that, that particular <laughs> soundbite from Ryan Dice over at Digital uh-huh. Marketer. He says there's, there is no B2B or B2C. There's only human to human or person to person or whatever. Uh, and I believe that too. I think people don't buy from companies. I think people buy from people um, more often than not. And even when you think you're buying from a company, you're, you're generally buying from a company that has equipped you with the ability to engage with people that you know that you're going to align with. I think Apple's done a really good job of that. Um, mm-hmm. They've built a culture where you might not be buying from a person, but you're, you're buying from a specific group of people. And so I think that, that again, it just goes right back to relationship building. Yeah. It's creating content and, and putting out a persona that allows people to understand who you really are and 
build some reciprocity in the, in the world of empathy because you're empathizing with them. Allow them the opportunity to also empathize with you. And that's how the relationship gets built. Mm-hmm. And this is adding, and, 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 and this is, this is so important. And it's adding, it's adding a different dimension to what we knew, what was called the old sales tunnel, you know? Okay. I mean, in the old sales tunnel, you were always taught, you know, at least get to know your customer a little bit, a little bit. Okay. Not with this whole dimensional, but now you're adding completely new dimension to this absolutely you know what's interesting about that is i think that businesses don't do a good job of niching down strong enough mm-hmm. if you can't focus on a specific avatar then then my uh, impression tends to be that you're not you're not closed off enough from a vertical perspective mm-hmm. you know i mean you can't walk out and say oh i service everybody with a small business that's not going to work mm-hmm. You need to be far more specific. And until you can get to a point to where you can build a specific avatar, you know that you haven't achieved the proper level of specificity. Okay, so let, let's move on. So we're t- that's the, the empathy is is form is the first first um, kind of paradigm, and and then you talk about giving value in the first approach as the second one. Can you talk to us about what that's why that's so important and what that's about? Absolutely. This is my favorite one to talk about because it's, it's I think, the most axiomatic, but it's the one that we miss most often. Um, relationships are built on the, the exchange of value. And, and we don't like to acknowledge that because it makes our relationships feel transactional. Um, but when you give something to someone, they are, whether or not they even realize it, they're psychologically indebted to you. Now, that mm-hmm. can't be the reason that you're giving to them or it's no longer a gift. But it is something that we can understand about human nature. And far too often what, what marketers do is they come out of the woodwork and they ask you for things. Hey, can I have some time? Can I have a deposit? Can I have, you know, like buy this little thing and you're going to like my big thing. Um, the marketers that perform really well are the ones that give you something first. And it's something that if they know you well enough can be specific um, to your needs. So if I were approaching you, Kimberly, let's say that I wanted to market to you, I might come to you and say, you know, hey, I, I, I did a little bit of research on the 15 highest performing podcasts um, mm-hmm. for, for international audiences. I thought maybe you'd be interested. Uh, here's my, you know, my checklist or my download or my one sheet or whatever. And instantly you're going to perk up and go, gosh, that's, that's exactly me. Um, if you can give something to somebody that's of value, it doesn't need to be insane amounts of value. I like to use the five-minute rule. Can they consume the value in five minutes? Because then it's mm-hmm. approachable for them too. That's why I don't like eBooks. But give something to them that's of value and you're, you're changing the construct of the normal transactional relationship. Um, I can't stand those messages I get on LinkedIn saying, oh, if you can just give me 15 minutes, that's my time. <laughs> that's the most important thing I have. I have two children. I'd rather spend it with them than you know, on the phone with some cold LinkedIn proxy but every now and then I get a, a real smart person I had somebody recently they, they made an explainer video for my company for free and they reached out and, and he'd seen me on somewhere I don't know where and said hey I'd love to create a uh, you know I mean knowing that I, I might have a slightly larger reach than the average person he goes I'd love to create a video for you it wouldn't cost you a dime and I'm like god that's brilliant and now he and I are doing business together and I refer to him when I can so um, I, I think that if you can give value first and then the second part of that too if you read the, the, the whole chapter I know you read it earlier <laughs> is give first and last try to book it your value because what you're doing is is you don't want to close that loop um, and so if you can continue to provide value now you're creating an ascension ladder that allows people to, to continue doing business with you which I think is obviously what we want to do mm-hmm. and so so this value let me just stay in this value for a minute okay when we're talking about it um, you know the podcast example is fantastic okay so what else as as a as a marketing agency I mean could can I can I give other kind of thought leadership? Can I give content? What 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 else kind of falls into that value? Absolutely. <laughs> it's it's everything that you do on a daily basis. So for just giving an example, one of my strongest lead magnets, it's in my book, is our living plan. We use this uh, this Google Sheet document that I've created over the course of a decade that that we use to manage our clients' campaigns. And mm-hmm. it's robust. And it, it it's nothing I ever created for prime time. I didn't want people to see it. It was me managing my mess. And I would make a mistake, and then I'd go back and I'd add, you know, I'd add something to the living plan that made sure that I'd never make that mistake again. And there's checks and balances and tracking, and you know, I mean, we do like a SWOT analysis, and there's just a bunch of different tabs. Well, I figured out that people, when I showed it to them, were blown away, and that was one of our biggest sales um, tools when we when we onboard new clients. Hey, this is what we use for you, and no other agency on the planet had it for a really long time, and so. 
uh, that became a lead magnet um, for customers. Like, hey, this is how this is exactly how I manage marketing campaigns. Download it for free. Take it and run with it. And you can peruse through it within five minutes. And and in five minutes, you'll realize, gosh, I don't want to do all this. And then you'll come <laughs> here. Is is the hope? But you have something right now, I promise you, Mr. and Mrs. Listener, that you use on a daily basis that you don't even realize is a value because you're so heavily ingrained in your industry. But if you were to open the Komodo up a little bit and hand it to your customer, I think they'd be um, obsessive over it. I mean, these are, these are important gems that you've learned. And just because it's not big doesn't mean it's not valuable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's the true. That's funny because um, and and the, I'm going to come back to this living plan in a moment. Okay, um, but in this whole process, there was one thing you talk about uh, in giving value when you talk about this lockstep approach. Can you um, give me a little bit more insight on that? Yes. So we used to do quite a bit for cosmetic dentists specifically, and I wouldn't take general dentists and I wouldn't take them because they're, they're impossible to market for because Groupon has basically destroyed their industry. There's, there's too many dentists. But I had this dental group. I think they had 30 some odd dentists in their practice and they asked us to come in and consult on how we could help improve because we, we crushed their cosmetic campaign. Um, but they asked us to come in and say, hey, OK, for general dentistry, what do we do? And what I found was they have, and I think most dentists are in this in this position. There's a bunch of people that just cycle in for you know for thirty bucks you can come in and you can get free X-rays, whitening, cleaning, exam, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get the whole kit and caboodle for thirty dollars, and then in, you don't come back to that dentist because you're not building a relationship with that dentist. Instead, mm-hmm. you just the next time you need a, uh, your teeth cleaned in six months, you go to the subsequent dentist. You go to the next guy running the guy or gal running a, a, the the heavy promotion, and they're everywhere. You know, I mean, people have them up on their on their windows now, which is really sad. So here's what we did is we got them in. It's easy to get them in. That's not the hard part. But uh, there's something called a periodontal chart in dentistry. And you've seen them do it. They poke you in the gums and then they read out, you know, five, four, three, et cetera. And what's cool about this is we're, we're playing on narrative. Narrative is the oldest tradition in human history and people love to finish stories. And mm-hmm. if you can start a story, there's a psychological need for them to finish that story. So what we had the dentists do is we showed people the periodontal chart, which already blew patients away because they'd never, ever, ever seen it. Dentists never thought to share it with them. And then they said, and this is bookending value. So the value up front, um, I think, has already been given because here's a $30 you know, $200 um, uh, procedure, let's say, for 30 bucks, And then um, show them the periodontal chart and then say, you know what? I want to see you back here in three months. I want you to floss. I want you to use this special mouthwash. And come back in three months. I'm not going to charge you. And we created a periodontal chart that showed uh, every three months their progress. And you want your fives to become fours and your fours to become threes. And it generally takes about three months for that to happen. Well, it, it blew people's mind, A. B, it brought everybody back. They had a near 100% retention rate. And then what was really cool is people wanted to continue to fill in the periodontal chart. So they didn't leave that dentist because they wanted to continue that story. <laughs> and that's the way to book and re- value and yep. build a relationship with somebody. Yeah, so that's the lockstep approach. So it's really, it's giving that first and then, and then, you know, building that story, building the, the, the relationship, building the narrative, because people do love narratives, okay? And that, that's a brilliant, that was, that's a brilliant uh, strategy, I have to say. Um, really cool, <laughs> okay? And then, you, you know, so you're, you've got value up front, you've got value later, fantastic. So let me just, um, I, we're going to take a short break in a few minutes, but I just want to kind of close this paradigm. And so the last part of this is, you know, we've got the empathy, we're building, we're, we're giving value first, and we're learning from this process the whole time. How important is that? It's vitally important. I actually, principle number three used to be called grow and my editor made me change it because they, they just said that it needed to be a little more descriptive. So principle three is, is learn, apply and innovate. But, but basically all I'm saying is you can't get stuck. You need to constantly be pushing the envelope, learning new things. Don't get romantic about what you're doing. If it's working now, it's not necessarily going to work tomorrow. As a matter of fact, the opposite is usually true in the realm of digital marketing. Way too many businesses get complacent. So Mm -hmm. you just need to be willing to kind of try new things and be nimble. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So we're going to take that's a it, it, that's really important and, and a good advice for our listeners. And we're going to, um, Kesson, we're going to take a short break now. And when we come back, we've talked about the paradigm. I'd like to go into the process a little bit, and and hear some of your thoughts on what the process and the seven steps are. And for our listeners, we're talking to Kesson Aslam. 
and he is the CEO and founder of Solutions 8, and he's also the author of The Seven Critical Principles of Effective Marketing, and that's what we're talking about today. And through Solutions 8, Kasman has spent more than a decade helping over 500 organizations grow and scale using his method, which you can read about in his book. And if you want to reach Kasman, you can reach him at Soul 8, and that's www.soul8 at kasimaslam.com and Kasim Aslam on LinkedIn, Kasim Aslam on Facebook with a dot in between and on Twitter also. And for our international audience, I will spell that. That is K-A-S-I-M and then A-S-L-A-M. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. You can contact me with questions and comments at Leadership Beyond Borders or through the Search and Information Industry Association of Europe at Kimberly at Cinda. Join our LinkedIn group, Leadership Beyond Borders, or go to my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you are interested in the business of rental equipment, be sure to check out Rental Equip Talk Radio with host Donald Charbonnet. We talk to some of the top names in the rental industry, as well as cover topics that include safety, training, fleet management, legal issues, and more. We'll also cover the history and future of the rental equipment industry. Rental Equip Talk Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders, and today we're talking with Kasim Aslam. He's the founder and CEO of Solutions 8, and he's also the author of The Seven Critical Principles of Effective Digital Marketing. And for our listeners, I took the time on this weekend to read that book, and it doesn't matter if you're a digital marketer or you're a client, pick it up, read it. It's on It's on. Uh, uh, Amazon, and it's it's really great. So, Kasim, we talked about, you know, your seven steps are kind of divided into two sections on paradigm and process. And I, I think we started a little bit to talk about some things in process when you have a living plan, okay? Um, now, a, a lot of companies, I've seen a lot of companies that don't have one. So, I mean, have you seen that? And why is it so important? Yes, I have seen that. I've worked with some of the biggest brand, brands on the planet on down, and and it's always shocking to see the big the big boys, so to speak, making the, the biggest mistakes. <laughs> um, far too often, we start off with the plan, and and that that generally goes okay. Uh, usually, you have a you know a CMO or somebody that that makes you just put pen to paper, and then you, you build a plan. But what what I've noticed is, and it's truly it's almost immediate, and I bet you everybody here can empathize with this. You build the plan, and then within 48 hours, you're no longer consulting the plan. Now, we've moved on, and, and we're pursuing tactics and strategies that you know, may be resonating with our market or, or currently working with what we're doing, but we forgot what the plan is. 
which is it's okay to it's okay for the plan to change, but it's not okay for us to abandon the plan. That's why we came up with the term living plan. That's that's our term okay. because you you want something that you reference on an ongoing basis. And so if something needs to change, it goes in the living plan. If something we didn't think about, it goes in the living plan. If something failed, it goes in the living plan. And what's cool about that is it gives you going back to narrative. It gives you a story. It gives you narrative of what's working, what's not working, why you made a change, um, which I think is also really important too. Is revisiting the why behind certain departures. Far too often, we make a decision in the moment to change something and then forget why we made that change later. So the living plan is, it doesn't need to be robust. It doesn't need to be um, confusing, but you just kind of want this ongoing track record of what's been going on. So so you're actually just kind of, I, I would think of it as planned adjustment. And, and it's interesting you say that because I've seen a lot of um, companies and big companies and they'll, they'll have this plan and then they'll just toss it out. Okay. And then you lose a lot of time. Okay. And, and actually when you rewrite it, you're coming up with some of the same things again anyways. Okay. So, um, you know, you, you talk about how important it is not to just discard or, or completely overwrite plans. So how, how do you find the, the right kind of adjustment there? You know, when you're, you know, is it by, watching, analyzing, you know, how, how do you decide which part is going to kind of overlive and which part is going to be adjusted a little bit? That's a great question. I, I think what we need to do is get really good at understanding exactly what's failing. Um, and I'll give you a really specific example. Let's say that you and I are running a Google Ads campaign. Um, and the Google Ads campaign in the first two weeks doesn't perform. The knee-jerk reaction typically is for the client or even the marketer to go back and begin working on the thing that he or she had a preconceived notion wasn't adequate. And and far too often, that's actually the website. So the Google Ads campaign doesn't perform when we go to the website, we start tweaking the landing page. But if you dig into what's not performing, you might see that, you know, hey, we're not getting enough impressions, meaning we're not bidding high enough. Or we're getting fine impressions, but our click-through rate is abysmal, which means our ad copy isn't good. Mm -hmm. And so understanding what needs to change has so much to do with understanding with what's actually failing and way too often we throw the baby out with the bathwater and, and this is something that we can categorize in our living plan like you know uh, click-through rate was poor changed this ad copy running this existing split test and now you get to ignore and pardon me for saying that but I really mean it you get to ignore everything past that point in the funnel until you can actually get people on your page you don't want to start <laughs> optimizing your page and and it's what kind of acts as a guiding light. So the first thing I think that you need to do is identify where failure actually exists and get really mm-hmm. good at that. Um, and and then focus on that as being your catalyst for change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really, really great advice. Now, you know, I, the other thing I've seen, because I've seen, I, I've seen exactly what you're talking about, you know, kind of throwing that baby out with the bathwater. And, um, but let me ask you this question, okay, as a di- digital marketing agency, and, um, you know, I've been in both seats, uh, 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 you know, being CEO of an agency, but also being a client. And um, how important is it to share this plan with your clients? It depends on the client. I, yeah. I, my knee-jerk reaction is to say, share it 100% of the time. Yeah. Um, I think it really depends on on how much protecting of the client you need to do. If you're protecting mm-hmm. them from themselves, then you might not want to share the plan with them because it's, <laughs> I, I've seen this, and this took me some time to mature into but I've seen scenarios where, where even if you have a five-step plan, your client only needs to know about steps one and two. Yeah. Because yeah. they're going to look at step three and say, oh, that'll never work. Mm-hmm. And if they think that about step three, that just nullified step two. Um, and so I think it depends a lot on the temperament of the client and what their buy-in is like. If they're part of the work, if they're actually, you know, one of the, the, their feet on the street and you're working hand-in-hand with them, then I think you both need to be working from the living plan. It's not just sharing it with them. It's getting their buy-in and letting them know, hey, anything that you do, anything your team does, it needs to go in here. You're documenting the way we're documenting. You're managing the way we're managing. And we're, we're holding hands to this process. And for mm-hmm. us at Solutions 8, if you're not willing to, to follow our processes, it's a deal breaker. And not in a bad way. But we just say, hey, we're not the right fit for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I can, I can see that very well. And you know, it's also sometimes, you know, your expertise is digital marketing, but the client may not be, and so then it's also sometimes very difficult to explain why things are being done for certain reasons. So I can, can see that it really does depend on the client. So I just want to, I want to go into the. To, 
to because in the the next process about tools and just a quick word about using appropriate tools because everybody everybody seems to get fixated on tools. <laughs> they do. <laughs> it's the bane of my existence. I go in with clients and they say, "Oh God, we have to use HubSpot," and then I'll say, "Okay," and I love HubSpot. I'm not bashing them at all, but I'll say, "Great, why?" And and there's never not never, but there's rarely a, a really effective answer. They they had a, a, an amazing salesperson give an amazing demo, but if if you begin to, to connect the dots of what they want to accomplish and what HubSpot does, you're not connecting those dots at least at least not right away. More often than not, I'd actually tell tell clients, don't buy anything, don't buy software yet. Let's prove first and automate second. Let's make sure this thing actually works before we go build a, a great big massive infrastructure. Um, mm. I think that people get really romantic with their with their applications and they tend to rely on them far too much. And so you want to use the right tools. And that's action item number one. And that means not getting distracted by uh, shiny objects. And, and, and here's how to do that. It's really easy as business owners to say, I just want something that does everything. And you just prepared yourself to step into this trap. Because now you're going to go look for a suite of software. Instead, mm-hmm. say, what is the one thing that I absolutely need uh, to have done right now? And, and you know, let's use a specific example because I like applying specificity. Let's say we're running a campaign. It's a list building campaign. We want to get email addresses. So you want people to be able to download your, um, your lead magnet, whatever it is. Uh, well, now all you need is a form that when they fill out the form, you get the contact information and they get the download. Mm-hmm. So you can either go completely off the rails and spend a couple grand on HubSpot or we can go get MailChimp for free. And we can accomplish that process with MailChimp. Now, I'm not saying we stay with MailChimp forever. I'm just saying we use MailChimp to make sure that your download even works mm-hmm. uh, and so on and so forth. So I think using appropriate tools effectively, um, that's a big, big trap. And a lot of agencies try to sell people on tools because agencies are resellers. Right. So that gets really incestuous too. And I'm not, I'm not quite sure how to navigate that. I don't, I don't know where the line should be drawn there. Yeah. I, know. I, I mean, it is, I, it's, it's, it's a complicated situation. And I, I've seen it a lot of times because, you know, People do get caught up on the tools. But then um, I just want to go through the last two steps in this process. And a step that I think is really important is people. So I'm just going to ask you, how do you pick your people? Okay, Because human capital is so critical, especially if you want to send them out. And as you said in the paradigm, you want them to, to be empathetic. Okay, How do you pick your people? Yeah. So I, for the first thing is I hire internationally. The, 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 mm-hmm. the last person I just hired is, is lives in Malta. Actually, she lives in Gozo, which is a little island right yeah. next to Malta. But um, I think that you need to broaden your horizons a little bit with the state and nature of this market. That's number one. Um, talent acquisition is the hardest part of my job because you can make so much money freelancing at digital marketing. Why would you come work for me? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, even if I can afford to pay you more, you're going to have more flexibility. You're building your own brand, et cetera. So I have, I have a process that is down. And stop me if I get way too granular. The first thing I do, though, is I set up an insane amount of barriers. When my job description goes out, I ask people to, um, the very first thing they do is, is uh, respond to me. And in the subject line, they have to put, I actually read the description. And you'd be mm-hmm. shocked. And I'm like, don't even do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it just blows me away. But yeah. it's like, all right, you're not the right yeah. person for me. And then I say, I want your resume uh, on one page in PDF. And I don't care if it's PDF. I don't have an yeah. affinity for PDF, but I just want to see that they can uh, yeah. follow those just, uh, instructions. I ask them four questions. I say, uh, if you're an animal other than a human, what animal would you be? What did mm-hmm. Khalil Gibran mean when he said work is love made visible? Uh, and then I'll typically ask two questions specifically re- related to the role. And I'm asking those questions because I want to see a certain semblance of personality and playfulness. And mm-hmm. I get... Again, depending on the role, I get some some really interesting pushback there. Um, And then from there, if I have 500 people, let's say, that might be applicable, I can narrow it down to 20 because that's the only people that follow the instructions. Then I ask them to schedule an interview with me, and they have to tell me what technology we're using and then explain to me how to use that technology because I want to know that they can actually explain that to Mm -hmm. the client. And then I I cancel our first interview, and I do it 10 minutes beforehand because (laughs) I want to see how nimble they're going to be and whether or not they blow up and if they'll continue to follow back. And so I have – Kimberly, I've gone – like I, I can't begin to tell you the depths that I've gone developing this process. But when you get to the end, you get somebody who's rock solid. And I'm not yeah. looking for someone who knows how to do the work. I'm looking for somebody who knows how to figure it out. Yeah. And that's hard to find, that, that kind of tenacity. That's sort of, we call it fitfo. It's, it's figure yeah. it out. And there's a, an unkind word 
in there, but <laughs> no, I, I can relate to that. But I think I think that's a that's a great process, and it is it is amazing how many people don't even read what they have to send in and and read the instructions. And then um, just your last is just talking about scale and synergies, and uh, you know that kind of is for me a little bit of keen sense of the obvious. Um, and you can read that in book. But what what I'm really interested because we're getting we're getting towards the end, Kazim, is if you had. Um, you know, we've talked a really lot. Great information. Okay, if you had one particular tip for digital marketers, okay, or digital marketing agencies, one particular thing, message to them, what would that be? Choose a very focused niche or industry and go after it. I've built three seven-figure agencies in the last two years doing just that. We we choose a very specific niche. We offer them a very specific service. And you think to yourself, I'm missing out on an opportunity. You're not. This is this is the way to grow. This is the way to scale. Okay, great. And we have clients listening too, Kasim. So I'm, you know, I'm the bakery, or I'm I may be a marketing director for a big company. And for for a client, one if you had one message to to customers or clients about digital marketing, what would that be? You have to manage the process, which means you have to know just a little bit. Um, there's no set it and forget it. You can't just outsource this. So you got to inspect what you expect, which means you have to learn enough marketing to know that somebody's not doing it right. (laughs) Great tip. Well, Kasman, thank you so much. This has been a great discussion. And for our listeners, we have been talking to Kasman Aslam, and he is the CEO of Solutions 8, and he is also the author of The Seven Critical Principles of Effective Digital Marketing, which is available on Amazon. And I urge you, whether you're a marketer or a customer, to, to... Go on Amazon and get that book. It's a great read. And through Solutions 8, Kasman has spent more than a decade helping over 500 organizations grow and scale using a unique, proven process. And that's what he's been talking with us about today. Now, if you'd reached, like to reach Kasman, you can reach him on Soul8, www.soul8, and at Kasm Aslam. And I'll spell that for our international audience. That is K-A-S-I-M. A-S-L-A-M, and it's Kasman Aslam on website, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. So thank you so much for being with us today, Kasim. Thanks for having me, Kimberly. Okay. And for our listeners, Leadership Beyond Borders is a program sponsored by Global Business Therapy and CINDA, the Search and Information Industry Association of Europe. If you're interested in digital marketing and you're an agency or a reseller, join CINDA under www.cinda.com. CINDA also holds conferences, and our next conference will be held March 6th and 7th in Dubai at the Google Middle East headquarters. And our big conference is April 10 to 12 in London. In London, you can hear about digital experts from around the world, and you can see all these conferences under www.cinda.com events. Now, at Leadership Beyond Borders, we provide leadership training with a focus on digital transitions and digital agencies, and we have the Women's Leadership Academy 2020, and we also do a series on women in tech, and we specialize in diversity and C-level development for women. If you'd like to contact me, your host, Kimberly Lewis, Please send me a mail at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or go to my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. And you can also find Cinda on Facebook at, um, at follow Cinda and under LinkedIn on LinkedIn under groups. And please remember to tune in to us each week. Download us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. And for that... Once again, Kasman, thank you so much for being with us. And for our listeners, please tune in to us next week and download us on Google and iTunes. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.